In a lost land in the middle of the Caribbean, the paradise itself or magic and reality blends, the main character is the river of the Magdalena, a river that inspires dance, music and imagination of its people, people as old as time, who learned how to live in the land and also in the water, who coexist in peace and equilibrium with mother nature. This amazing land inspired the Colombian novel Gabriel Garcia Marquez the most fantastic stories that recreates the magnificent spirit of La Cienaga Grande de la Magdalena, the birthplace of the Colombian music. I am Eliana Echeverri, a Colombian composer, and join me in this journey from the river to the world with a rhythm that broke the course of music in Latin America and is enchanting the entire world. Va subiendo la corriente con chinchorro y atarraya The Colombia Cumbia is a rhythm that lies in the heart, soul, and body of all Colombian people. The magic of the hypnotic sound of the drums has captivated all of us, and if a Colombian cumbia is sounding in any corner of the world, it's for sure that there is a Colombian ready to move his or her hips to dance and sing. Then, to understand the sound of cumbia, we should understand where it was born and where its inspiration comes from. Colombia has two access to the oceans. One of them is located at the western part of the country, which is the Pacific coast, and the other one is in the northern of the country, which is the Caribbean coast. That's where the Colombian cumbia born, in the Caribbean coast, in, in a little town called El Banco, in the department of the Magdalena. That little town is located in the Cienaga Grande of the Magdalena, which sounds like a big name. And it sounds like that because it's actually a very important place for Colombia in their culture, in the economics, in the environment. Then a cienega, so in case you don't know that, is a, like a swamp, like of shallow waters where the river goes just before to follow, flows in the water of the oceans. So this, this is a, like a complex of, of waters, like you have the river in a, in a single uh, flow, then that spreads in the Cienega and then go back to the ocean. Then the people who live there uh, spend most of their lives actually in the water instead of the, of the lands. Then it's pretty interesting because if you if you if you listen to the cumbias, they talk a lot about of the water. So that's why it's very important to understand the actual place uh, where happens the first cumbias, because it's just all about the water and the boats in the water and what happened when you go to um, to get some fish or what happened when when you go from a town to the next town or uh, any sort of things which happens 
in the water. So people who live there are kind of amphibious uh, people. So that's I think that's a, an important element of the cumbia. now about the actual origin and the truth is that we don't know I'm, I'm sorry but we but we don't know how it, how it was born and where and we don't have documents and we don't have scores and we don't have recordings of course and that's because the origin of the cumbia is long before the arrival of the Spanish to the continent of America and that's really important because, uh, sadly, the uh, Spanish people of, of their time came and destroyed many parts of the culture of the native people, destroyed many elements of the recording of their lives. And that's why we don't know, actually, the, in, the native life in the Caribbean coast remains a kind of a mystery because we don't know many things. Actually, there are many, uh, many research and many studies about, like anthropologic studies, about how they lived, um, and they use like anthropology actually uh, to. It's, it's like a, it's, it's like an Indiana Jones job uh, in in La Sierra de la Magdalena to know how they lived and how they made some amazing places that was built long before the Spanish came here. But we just don't know, I'm sorry. But what we know is that there was a, a thing called uh, dance, chanted dance, that was like dances that was chanted, like, like it was like songs, but were used to, to dance, not just to sing and were part of a ritual. But that here is like, there's a difficult place here because when the Spanish came uh, from, from Europe to America, they came also with uh, African slaves and there's an interesting point here. You have three cultures in the same place, you're different cultures because you have European culture, you have African culture, and you have native country, culture. And all of the three cultures has a main role in Colombian cumbia. The, so let's let's clarify this. 
The origin is about native people, but then the Spanish came and then the African slaves came and that's the mix which matters in Cumbia. It's not about like being uh, a little bit like regretting the facts of the colonialism, but it's about the acknowledgement of that, that, that important fact made a really big difference about the Colombian Cumbia and actually like this fact gives its identity and that's why you can you can listen music from Africa and it can be related with the Cumbia and some of the Andalus um, music you can re you can relate that with Colombian Cumbia and you say okay but why is that and it's because cumbia is about the mix of the three cultures. Actually, there is a funny story that illustrates that. And that is, uh, with Colombian kids, we learn how to dance uh, Colombian rhythms and actually Latin American rhythms, like salsa and things like that. And when you are like five or six, the first rhythm that usually you learn how to dance is cumbia. And the teachers or your parents says like okay you need to have your shoulders down and back and your head upright so you need to maintain a posture kind of a ballet thing like an elegant posture they say you that you need to be elegant like an european they use that exact phrase uh, but uh, with your foot that's a little bit different. You need to have like a heavy feet because you need to simulate uh, like if you're carrying a foot shackle, like if you were a slave uh, because the slaves uh, carry foot shackles. So they they walk uh, with difficult. So that what that is what you need to to recreate to pretend in order to dance cumbia properly. And when you blend your, your knee, it's automatically, you start to move your hips. And it's not because we have some kind of different flavor or something like in the Latin American flavor, so you can move your hips. But it's like, if if you just uh, move your knee, uh, like like in a, in a heavy way, automatically, your hips moves and then you can move your hips so actually you can try that set at home like okay what what if i move my knee in that way like i cannot walk very well and that that's that's the magic in the dance that's all your hips starts moving so it, it's just about move up the rhythm the drums and, and that's all but that's the thing is like, okay, you need to be elegant like any European, but you need also to be, like, to move heavily like uh, like an slave. So maybe that point, that, that that's, a, that's a story that illustrates that point. And it happens to all of us when we were kids. It's not just me. I've seen a lot of kids, though, in that manner. Another story of my childhood related to cumbia was about that I felt cumbia really mysterious. 
like I felt some magic there and some hypnotical then then fascinated me but I didn't understand why why was that and uh, I, I actually thought like it, it was because I was a little kid and because many things amazed me at the time but then I related then that was not the case that actually there is something mysterious in Cumbia and there is something hypnotical in Cumbia and the reason is that as you should know the native people became slaves uh, at the colonial time and also the African people uh, came here as slaves then the their journey was super long and the only space they had to share with their their equals was the night when the uh, these masters are were sleeping and uh, they they can share uh, each other uh, and the things as cumbia had a ritual function they had their rituals at the night so even even there's something interesting because cumbia is dense with candles and the function of candles is uh, illuminate the night and break the darkness and that's very related with the colonial times uh, when they needed to be together at nights and the other thing is uh, they they use cumbia to every um, every situation in their private li- and private and social lives as a community community between Africans and natives uh, so this this hypnotical things uh, has is related with with the ritual the ritual uh, character of the music so it, it seems like okay there are many many stories about you with cumbia but w- what what it matters and it matters because even to our days the main uh, features of culture, the main social features, even uh, which are which are dated to four hundred years ago, survive to our times, and we can feel it in music. And that many little details that you can not recognize at first sight, or many little details that you actually can see, that matters in some way socially because this is a music made to share uh, with the community. It's, it's not a private music. It's a music to, to be in the community. And it also illustrates the point of the mixture of cultures. And it also illustrates the point of how music can uh, reflect the historic facts of, of a center time uh, in history. Okay, let's talk about the music itself. Let's first uh, begin with instrumentation. The instrumentation is super important in any kind of music because you can relate the instrument uh, which are played in certain kind of music with that music. For example, if you listen a gaita, like an Irish gaita, you can relate that with Irish music. If you listen certain type of drums, you can relate that with Indian music or maybe African music. If you listen to the piano in a certain way, you can you can relate that with salsa and so forth. Then 
in cumbia there are some traditional instruments and there are some instruments that were added after. So let's talk first about the traditional instruments. In the traditional version of cumbia you have two main groups of instruments. First of all the percussion. The percussion reflects the river, the movement of the river. I know that I talk a lot about the, the magic and, and the mystical thing about me having the cumbia, but it's real and they they actually they talk about about it. If you if you search on YouTube and if you uh, watch documentals about cumbia you can find that the people like the old the really old people people who are ninety or one hundred years old they can tell you why why the drums are what they are. And uh, for instance, the drums reflect the character of the river, reflects the movement of the river and the wind. What's that important? Because they lived in the river, that's all. So we have uh, several varieties of the cumbia. The first of all is the llamador. Llamador in English uh, is translated like a caller because it is like a call. His sound actually is calling to the party or to the ritual or to the important thing in community life. So actually the most of the cumbias began only with the llamador or with the color. So the llamador of the color sounds like this. Here we have a pattern like the common pattern of the llamador. So in order to understand this, we need to say that we have a metric of four beats per bar. So you you count one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, the whole, the whole song. So uh, if you count that over the pattern of the llamador, you can see that you have the accents on the second and fourth beat like this. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. That's the whole pattern of the llamador. Its main function is to keep the speed. So it's a little bit hard to do, but that's all that it does. The next instrument is the alegre. The alegre can be translated as the happy or the joyful, uh, and you actually can feel the energy and the joy. Uh, when somebody is playing the Alegre. There are different patterns in the Alegre. So we're gonna listen first the Abierto. It's kind of like the Open. So the Abierto is the main pattern in Cumbia and is the basic one. The next pattern is not actually a pattern, but instead of that, it's most like a way to play, to show virtuosism. Then the, the next is called the fondeo. And the fondeo is kind of a rolling or fills between some section of, in the music and uh, is played over the main, the main bass. I mean, uh, is played over the abierto. And it sounds like this. As you see, this hit 
uh, gives more life to the music than just the the abierto. So that's the main function. Like, okay, we need to be joyful because this is the alegre, the happy. So we we need to give energy to that, and we can play that very well. So we need to show that. The next pattern, or maybe better, a hit of the alegre is called the tapao. The tapao is also a way of virtuosism, but the main thing about this hit is that it changed the timbre of the of the alegre. It's not as bright as the open, as the abierto. Uh, instead of that, it's a little bit dark, and it 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 gives some colors of that. So it sounds like this. It's pretty important to say that these patterns are not fixed. It's not like always they sound like or something like that. But instead of that, it's more to the creativity of the player. There are some patterns or some hits that are kind of basic and then the sky's the limit. Then let's listen to a really good player who combines different patterns and different hits to have a really vibrant piece of music. The next instrument is called the maracón. The maracón means a big maraca, and a maraca is a maraca because it doesn't have any translation. And the important thing here is that is it gives the shine frequencies of the music, and it also is very related to the llamador. It plays the same pattern. So let's listen to the maracón. The next instrument is called la tambora. La tambora is kind of a, a bass drum, uh, very big actually, and it has two main um, hits. The one is called el paloteo. El paloteo is like you hit the outside of the tambora, you don't hit on the porch, you hit on the outside, and it, it sounds like this. So as you can listen, it is like a stick hitting some woody thing because it's actually made of wood and the other thing is like you have the same accents than the Yamada has to the two and four taka tun taka tun taka tun so the taka the two eighths the taka is in the first beat and el tun is in the fourth one so taka tun taka tun taka tun that's pretty important. The second hit is in the actual part, and it is a low, very, very low frequency sound, and it sounds like this. That's quite of a big sound, actually, and it's in that way because when you play cumbia, you don't have microphones or amplifiers of something like that, actually, it, in, in a traditional way, I mean. And then you're in the field, in an open field or near to the river, so you need to call your friends and you don't have cell phones either. So you, you need to be listened, to be heard, you know. So from a, from a long distance, so when you play taka bomb, that bomb sounds to very long, long way. 
So the, all of the musicians then come to the to the place where the, the 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 guy of the tambora is playing, and they go to sing and play. So that that's the main function of that. So if you see, all of the things has a practical function. It's not all aesthetic. It's not all poetic. It will be poetic things or aesthetic things, but many decisions are practical ones. Okay, you already know the drum instruments, the percussion side of the cumbia, but now let's go to the wind section. Uh, it's not like a section, actually, but it is like the worth of the wind. And there is something particular, because the wind here it tries to reflect uh, the nature, the, the, the change of the birds. And there is something particular here, because actually Colombia has the most uh, diverse number of birds in the world. So as you can see, you can you can listen if you if you are an ornithologist or if you love birds, this is the place to to come to visit, because you can find birds anywhere from the cities to the main fields to the um, to the uh, forest to e everywhere there are birds, and uh, the wind in the cumbia, the wind section, the wind instruments actually uh, try to imitate. The birds try to sing like the birds. So the first instrument here is called a flauta de millo. La flauta de millo is a flute made of millo cane. But the thing is, like uh, this cane is a, is kind of peculiar, and they don't find a lot of, and it's difficult to build an instrument the, uh, from that cane. So they try with bamboo, and now with corozo, and with carrillo, which are kind of trees. Uh, of that they can use that material to build uh, this flute of mijo but it's called flute of mijo because uh, mainly in the early days it was built with mijo and other things that they use a lot of is some leaves actually they can make a flute it's not like a flute they, they can make the leaves sound like a flute which is pretty amazing uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how the mijo flute sounds. About the wind instrument in the cumbia, it's important to say that it was the first feature of the cumbia that was attributed uh, to the Indian part, to the native part, because uh, long long ago the the general thought it was like okay this is an African rhythm bring a brought here, but the thing is no there's there's a cumbia here before the African came. So, but the, this this flute, the mijo, and then the gaita, which I'm gonna talk to you about this later, is the first thing that the scholars and the people, the musicians and the community in general, attributes to the native native people. So, the you can you can see, uh, 
the connection between the sound of the birds with this with this sound and it's also a important thing is that the native people in Colombia I think all of the native native uh, people in the world has a profound a deep respect for the mother nature and they uh, can coexist in harmony and in peace and in balance with their environment so if you have a cosmology in your mind that you have the god sun and the god water and the god moon, you respect that and you honor that. So I think that that's why the this this main feature it's very acclaimed by the native people. So this is not only about the dance and the party and things like that, but it's also about how they live and how they feel their world. Last but not least, there is the gaita, which is also also is not only one gaita, but there's two kind of gaitas. So in every cumbia group, there are two gaitas, the male and female gaita, or in Spanish, la gaita macho y la gaita hembra. Then, uh, that are built uh, based on a cactus and uh, with a little bit feather of the of the duck and they build by themselves the, the gaita. It's a very artisanal instrument uh, and a very beautiful also. If you, you can you can look on the internet and you can find a very a very fine piece of art uh, from a very prehistorical roots. The main role of la gaita hembra or the female gaita is to sing actually like the women in that culture and it's important to notice that the timbre of the gaita is pretty different to the timbre of la flauta de millo. This, the gaita has a little bit darker timbre which is also super beautiful. So let's listen to a gaita hembra, female gaita. The role of the gaita macho or the male gaita is to comping the gaita hembra and make some counterpoints and also uh, mark the rhythm. I mean, again, is based on the llamador and also is based on the maracón. Actually, the, the player who plays the male gaita also plays the maracón in these groups. So uh, let's let's listen the two gaitas together. This was an informal recording of a group called Los Gaiteros de San Jacinto, which is very important in Colombia because they are very, very traditional and they are together for generations. And when I say generation, I mean it because the oldest one is like 94 years and he's still uh, touring around the world in the summer especially and they 
they sing together from a long years and the new generation are usually their sons or their relatives but the old members of the group are really old and they are together by many many years so let's listen a full extract of the whole ensemble of cumbia so you can you can try to uh, identificate each element if you want to or say if you can if you can get some emotion from that or if um some vibe maybe and see where that vibe comes from or what that emotion comes from so this is also los gaiteros de san jacinto listen and accept from a group with a flute of Micho. That is the traditional instrumentation of the cumbia and you might think like okay this is very old you were talking about like a hundred years ago and things like that so what's next and and people people that play like that or, or no and the answer of all of this is in the next part of this episode and the answer of the the actuality of the cumbia is that yes they Many, many groups play like that. For example, Los Gaiteros de San Jacinto, they they make tours, they tour around the world. Actually, if you're in Europe or in Asia or in United States, they tour all the years, of course, before the pandemic. And, uh, for example, there's another singer uh, called Totola Mompusina, which is a, a absolutely great singer, 
who all he plays like this and it is kind of a familiar thing because for example she plays with their sons the the major drama is is called Marco Inicio who is uh, her son so yes there are people who play like that even if it played like this is a style from uh, 400 years ago but yes this is the tradition this is our legacy and we are really really proud of our legacy and especially if I I am from Bogota the capital of Colombia and it's a little bit far from the Colombian coast and if I am proud of that legacy you cannot imagine how proud the people who actually live in the Banco or live in Barranquilla or in any little town or big city in the Caribbean coast of Colombia they are super extremely proud of the heritage and the tradition of, of its culture which became a tradition of our country and you will see then that it became the, the tradition and a new movement of the entire continent. For the next stage of the of the cumbia, uh, we need to know some things. Uh, first of all, that this this story that I'm about to tell you is happening about the 20s and 30s of the of the 20th century. Uh, the second one is that, as I told you, the cumbia was born in the Caribbean coast in a little town. But there's something important uh, that I didn't tell you before. And that is like in the nineteenth uh, century, uh, some ports was built in Santa Marta and Barranquilla, which are two main cities of the Caribbean, like Colombian Caribbean. And those ports uh, was the main entry for all of travelers, all of mercancy, all of like anything. Uh, that has to enter to the country, enter for those two main ports. So every cultural aspect, every uh, commodity, everything uh, was passed by there. So why is that important? It's because uh, with the mercancy and with some technology of the time also came the music from other parts of the world. And the main uh, part of the world that the music come from, from that part was the jazz and the American music in general. So uh, many, many music of, of big bands, of American big bands, came uh, for that part and influenced that region in particular. So as you can imagine, by common sense, uh, the region in Colombia, which has all all of this stuff first, was the Caribbean coast because it was uh, near to the port. It, it, everything came first to the Caribbean coast and then, but later then, uh, it came to the center of the country. So the jazz itself influenced a lot of a lot of the music in the Caribbean coast and of course influenced the cumbia. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that later, but next thing we need to know is that uh, among the technologies that was important in that time was the radio and the discography industry. 
you know, the, the build and the distribution of LP, long plays, uh, that was pretty important to popularize and to divulgate and to pass voice uh, about many, many rhythms and many music uh, which was um, be played in the country. But the cumbia was very, I mean, it was very beneficiated of that, of that fact because the cumbia was popular because of the phonography industry and it was popular because of the radio industry. So it was kind of similar to the, to the blues and the jazz that the main aspect of the distribution and divulgation was the radio and the phonographic industry. As I told you, the jazz was influenced a lot of music in the country, but I, I'm, I'm going to show you some sample of a music in the 20s and 30s, so you can listen to the similarities, or not, I don't know, uh, of the Colombian music and the jazz. Carmen de Bolívar, which actually is the name of a town in the Caribbean coast, as you can imagine, and it was composed by Lucho Bermudez. Mm, Lucho was one of the main composers, of the three main composers. It was like a holy trinity of composers. And the other two was Pacho Galán and José Barros. But uh, going back to this song, uh, it's pretty interesting how the format, I mean, the instrumentation of the song is very similar to a jazz band. I, mean, I, I, I am tell that is the exact the exact instrumentation of a jazz band. Uh, the other thing is like the voicings, the backgrounds, the uh, the use of the rhythm section. It's actually the use of, of, of everything in, in a jazz band of the 20s. Actually, there is a, a similarity about this song with the Benny Goodman music. And that's because uh, Lucho Bermudez was multiplayer, but it was mainly clarinet player. So uh, it's for sure he knew about Benny Goodman and his music, and for sure he listened to that. So it, it is very possible, like it was his his actual uh, model to follow. So as as you can see, the 
the music itself takes another level. Of course, there is a cultural interchange between between USA and our country, and of course, it's, it's a it's a backwards thing because it not not only uh, their music traveled to us, but our music also traveled to them. Uh, but but that that's the thing, like it, with influences. This is how music sounded in the thirties and forties of the twentieth century, and this is kind of important and relevant because we as Colombians sometimes think that our music is not the high level music in the world. But the funny thing is that Colombian music at that cumbia was done in the in the terms of the highest kind of music in that time. In fact the quality of their work was the main reason that they were hired by orchestras in different countries in Latin America to compose and arrange and lead orchestras from Me from Mexico to Argentina. So, for example, uh, the next song is a song composed by Jose Barros called La Mamposina, written for a really known uh, orchestra uh, of Cuba called La Sonora Matancera. pendiente de una rosa porque es hermosa y aunque tenga espina me la voy a llevar a mi casita porque es bonita mi rosa mucosina tiene en sus ojos la dulce soñación de mi linda región y por eso yo la quiero ella me ha dado toda la inspiración de mi linda canción porque ella es mi lucero ay pero si llega el otro jardinero aunque me diga que es puro banqueño no le permito ni que me la mire porque lo sabe que yo soy su dueño Mamposina, ven a mi ranchito Mamposina, es para quererte Mamposina, ay lindo lucerito Mamposina, yo quiero tenerte close attention you can see that all the patterns all the, th the things that used to do uh, the old the drums and the gaitas and the flauta the mijo now are played by uh, orchestra instruments but it's the same thing uh, but now with other other lyrics and with other patterns or of voicings and with new instruments, but it's kind of the same thing. It's the natural evolution of the of the rhythm. Because if you if you think in retrospective, this is the natural outcome when you when you combine cumbia, the traditional cumbia, with jazz music. It it has to sound to this, which is actually the tropical music. Uh, in, of Latin America between the 20s and the 90s so this is this is the roots of the music in Latin America for almost a century 
because this music was played then in Venezuela and played then in Ecuador and Peru and then in Argentina and Mexico and Cuba. Uh, so this is this is the actual roots. So let's let's play something of a Venezuelan orchestra called the Villos Caracas Boys. childhood especially the holidays because here in the in Colombia Colombia is a tropical country then the people uh, there there is a sunlight every part of the year so people used to go out to the streets to dance with the neighbors and share with them the food and uh, we put the audio monitors like big 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 monitors to sound to play the music to the whole bloke and the children are playing around with their Christmas gift and the all, all the family gets together and also the friends and the I don't know the members of the family who lives abroad they come to the holidays and this is a really really big party and that's the music you hear in those parties even now I mean, last Christmas we have a huge party in my house with music like that, and this is not only because I'm a musician. I I I don't play the music in in the holidays. It's my my parents or my friends who does who do that. So uh, the thing that I am kind of remark here is that. Uh, despite this is part of the history of the cumbia, it's not a death thing. It's something alive. And even from the very traditional versions to the music of the 20s, to the music of the 50s and the 70s, the people play that today, actually. In, and not only in, in Colombia, in all Latin America. If you, if you listen to that uh, music and you say, okay, some Mexican person... And you play this, say like, oh yeah, I, I know that, possibly. So or a Venezuela, for sure, or a Peruvian person for sure knows that. So uh, this is something that is still alive. Okay, let's talk about the extremes of the continent and how cumbia gets 
to Mexico and how can we get to Argentina? Because between that, there, there's, there's similarities. There, all, all of us are neighbors, like neighbors countries. Uh, but Mexico is a little bit far from Colombia and Argentina is a little bit far from, from Colombia. So how, how it gets that? So to understand that, we need to 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 understand how to how to uh, cumbia gets to Mexico. We need to listen the music of a man called Alfredo Gutierrez. Uh, he mixed a little bit of vallenato, which is another Caribbean rhythm, with cumbia. And the 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 actual main difference between cumbia and vallenato is the instrumentation, and is that vallenato use an accordion. So actually, the Horner accordions made in Germany came to the Caribbean, and in fact, the only kind of this type of accordions that Horner makes right now is because in Colombia they ask for those accordions, because otherwise it is not a discontinued um, kind of instrument. Uh, but anyway, this Alfredo Gutierrez is a very a uh, histrionic guy, uh, he's a little bit crazy, but it's so fun to see the uh, his music and to listen to him. And the main the main thing is the use of accordion. So keep that in mind and just listen to this song. <laughs> you can feel the energy of this guy actually seeing in in a live show is really it's really fun because he he 
he even played with his feet, the accordion with his feet, because he's an amazing musician and he can play in a in a really good level and also play the dumb thing and the funny guy thing and just make make it perfect and this his his uh I don't know how to say this his trademark. So uh he this this guy has toured around the world for years and all all the parts of the world he goes the people is hilarious. Uh, and and people have a good 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 time with with him which is the which is the um the main goal with this music to have a good time okay now so what's the importance of alfredo gutierrez uh if you if you can if you can watch their shows in youtube that you you're gonna spend the best time of your life because it's 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 pretty awesome to see and but the thing is the use of the accordion and the internationalization of the genre because it's not like super majestic music not anymore it's a danceable music it's just to get some fun uh, which is important here in in cumbia in the 70s and 60s and 80s and the thing uh with mexico now uh, remember that we're, we play this Alfredo Gutierrez music because it makes sense with the story of how Cumbia gets to Mexico. And the thing is, uh, some people travel from Mexico to different countries in South America just to buy vinyls, just to buy music. So th there wasn't Spotify or YouTube or Apple Music or anything like that. It was like you needed to buy the cassette or the uh, long play or something because otherwise you, you cannot listen to that music you cannot even know that music so there there were people who came here to buy by this that music and then play that in Mexico and for the coincidences in life uh, the the person who 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 bought most of that music was Celso Piña and Celso bought a lot of music from Alfredo Gutierrez. So maybe the the story was different, would, would have been different if if the if the shopping was different, you know? Like the music, the music, the, that coincidence makes a, a real factor in the development of the music in Mexico then. So uh, Celso uh, brought the music of Alfredo Gutierrez, among other uh, people, and then play that in Mexico. And this kind of people who bought this music are called the sonideros. Uh, that, that's not even a, a word in Spanish, uh, but the sonideros made possible that the Colombian cumbia gets to Mexico. And Celso Piña sounds like that.
carefully you can notice that the same patterns that we saw before in the traditional part is the same patterns played here but with different instruments and that's very interesting how a type of music can be appropriated and how people can make that their own music in their own terms because this this it sounds similar to the Colombian music but it has a different kind of flavor it's, it's not the same thing like Alfredo Gutierrez does um, so that's that's the beauty in in this spread of the cumbia around the the, the continent mm, this this is uh, the music of the 80s and the 70s but in the 90s something special happened Selena Quintanilla or Selena Quintanilla uh, made his debut in the uh, Mexico and then in the USA uh, she was American Mexican American actually and she made that this music this cumbia uh, get to to the United States actually to Texas and to California everywhere where there was a Mexican in the United States that uh, in that place sounded the music of Selena Quintanilla and uh, we're gonna listen uh, one one of the most famous songs of hers uh, so you can you can see how close how cumbia is there because it's not even close it's the cumbia there but the important thing of Selena is that uh, she made of that rhythm to get to the music industry to the mainstream it was not like a regional thing like a little thing no it was a big milestone in the in the industry of the music actually after her death uh, in 1994 many many doors were open to latin music in the in the world and in fact many of the music that is made now is influenced by her and many of the female artists that make uh, that play uh, latin music are influenced by by her
Now let's talk about how uh, Cumbia got to Argentina. And this is this is kind of fun because it's kind of the same story than in Mexico. And it was by immigrants. And uh, in some neighborhood of Buenos Aires, people from Colombia get, get there and they got to do their music with them, of course. And the local people started to listen to that music in a, in an interested way. Like, okay, this music sounds like, like fun, you know, to play that. And it was born the, the cumbia villera, which is the cumbia in Argentina. So it, it, it was born like an underground movement, but nowadays is a really huge movement of music in Argentina. And the origin are very, very humble because it came from the poorest people of the city, but it became a huge thing there. So it's it's absolutely uh, beautiful how a rhythm can be related with many people around uh, different countries because it's not like okay we we are Colombian and we have an heritage, but when it went to Venezuela or to Peru or Mexico and Argentina, they can relate it to that music uh, too. So it's it's beautiful how the how the ancestral ancestral music can talk with people and can move their feelings and their deepest fevers to make that they want to appropriate and make that music their own music. No te creas tan importante. that a rhythm like cumbia has gone so far uh, from a little river to an entire continent and the importance of that is only that it can be related with more people and it can impact the life and the feelings and emotions of more people and that's all because a the value of a music is not its impact the scale of its impact the value of a music is in context of that music uh, but in this case, uh, the rhythm 
itself uh, traveled so far that impacts the life of many many people actually i am very sure that you already have listened a cumbia before this this uh, podcast because we have a colombian artist we love very much in our country because she has take the cumbia so far in the world and i say that because her music is listened from japan to hawaii and she has toured many many times around the world and she uh, she even made a tour the last year and she's shakira and i am sure that you have listened this no fighting no What you maybe didn't notice yet is that there is extract of that song which is made based on cumbia and another part which is an actual cumbia. So let's find that part. She's so sexy, I am a fantasy, a refugee like me back with the Fuji's from a third world country. I go back like when Pac carry crates for Humpty Hump. We lead a whole club, Jizzy. Why the CIA wanna watch? Mr. Colombians and Haitians, I ain't guilty, it's a musical transaction. Bobo, Zobo, no more do we snatch rope. Refugees run the seas cause we own our own boat. Okay, so maybe you're wondering what's next. And the answer of that is that we don't know. The possibilities are infinite, the sky is the limit, but there is something sure. And it's that this generation, as well as the previous one, uh, are very for musicians and they respect and honor the tradition, even more than, than you can think actually so i i want to finish this podcast by playing a song a very iconic song of the cumbia in a modern version this song is called la piragua and this song is written by jose barros who was one of the most prolific authors in colombian music uh, he wrote more than 800 songs in his life and he brought the poetry to the cumbia. He didn't even finish the elementary school but he read a lot of and he understand the poetry of the classics and the Russians and the Englishmen and he tried to put all of this um, wisdom on all of this art of the literature in the cumbia. So if you can find a translation of the piragua, uh, maybe you can find the the essence of that song. Maybe, but even if you don't understand what the lyrics says, it doesn't matter. If you can understand the music on the lyrics, and the music of the whole atmosphere of the song, you can make that the entire listening have uh, worked for you because 
the cumbia is not about understand things but instead of that it's about feeling what the composer is trying to say then i finish with a version of la piragua by adriana lucia a colombian singer who makes cumbia and caribbean rhythms with rock uh, then i hope you enjoyed it thank you very much for getting so far and if you have any questions or if you want to say something or make some comments or uh, if you're looking for a recommendation don't hesitate and contact me or the staff of Gaudeamos and I'll be happy to answer you. I am Eliana Echeverri and this is La Piragua. Y en la noche salo remos le arrancamos.